and welcome to the Halloween special of a podcast about murder. Some of you may have noticed this, but I'm Jem, not Freya. Um, that's because we've decided to switch things up this week. Woo. So the format's the same. I've prepared the case today. So how does it feel being on the other side of this? It's kind of a little bit daunting, actually. Really looking forward to hearing about a case rather than speaking about a case mm. and... Like I said before we started recording, you're about to find out that you can't breathe <laughs> when you speak yeah. for long periods of time. That's weird being on this side of things, but... I think, so we're thinking for the next uh, season after this that we're going to regularly switch over in episodes. So there's a little bit more dynamism. I mean, that all depends on how this goes. Yeah, if it goes terribly, <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> So for this episode, I chose a case that I hadn't heard about. Um, I found it just because I was trying to lean into the Halloween theme as much as I could. So today we'll be discussing a murderer known as the Vampire of Hanover. Ah. Spooky stuff. Other fun nicknames include the Butcher of Hanover and the Wolfman. This killer's real name is Fritz Harmon, and he was a German serial killer who was charged with the murder of 24 men and boys between the 25th of September 1918 and the 14th of June, 1924. So I think this is also the oldest case we'll have discussed this season. Oh, okay. I, I do, I have heard of this. Um, I think I've actually listened to a podcast about it, but I don't <laughs> remember really much about it. So it will be super interesting to hear about okay. it. One of the reasons this case garnered so much attention, besides the obvious scale and violence of the murders, was the fact that Fritz... Um, at the time he was apprehended, was actually working as a police informant. So that's hmm. kind of interesting to sort of keep in mind. He was apprehended on the 22nd of June 1924 and was executed by guillotine on the 15th of April 1925. That's old school. Yeah, back in the <laughs> days. It's extremely old school. But actually, this is just like a tangent, but um, in France they used the guillotine like up until the 70s. <laughs> what? Just, yeah. The 70s? Not like the yeah. 1870s. <laughs> no. The actual Like, 1970s. if you got the death sentence, it was by guillotine. That's... And I think the only reason we don't guillotine people anymore is because they decided to get rid of the death sentence. Not because they thought, no, we should do it a different way. Okay, so Friedrich Carmen was born on the 25th of October 1879 in Hanover. He was the youngest of six children born to Joanna and Ollie Harmon. His home life, as is the case with many murderers we've discussed over the course of the series, was not ideal. Um, having married Joanna for her wealth, Ollie Harmon was said to have been a violent individual who had several affairs throughout their marriage. And Fritz's relationship with his father was strained. Uh, they seemed to share a mutual disdain and hatred for one another. Mm. In opposition to this, Fritz was very close with his mother who spoiled him. He was sort of marked as her favourite child. Mm. As a child, Fritz was said to enjoy typically feminine activities, such as playing with his sister's dolls, dressing in their clothing, and needlework. Some sources state that this behaviour was encouraged by his mother, but I wasn't able to confirm that. He was described as a quiet, shy child, um, although there are some accounts uh, that reveal darker aspects of his personality. I read a source that said that he used to tie up his sisters as some sort of sadistic game and then knock at windows at night yeah, to scare people. Yeah, but I used to tie up my brother. <laughs> yeah. And I turned out okay. 
it's one of those things where like you take when you take all these things together you can go oh yeah you know he was always off but if it was anyone else and they didn't turn out to be a murderer yeah. you wouldn't think it was weird yeah so like obviously maybe that's not at the time a sign of something tip like terribly dark no but it's interesting when you look back on it at school his teachers remarked that he was a meek child and despite his academic failings he was said to have been quite well behaved there was a reported incident that i think we should definitely mention although again this is hard to confirm but uh i read somewhere that fritz was supposedly molested by a teacher as a child Mm. although he wouldn't really discuss this incident himself so i think that's interesting to keep in mind Mm. as we get into the murders that he committed At the age of 15, Fritz left school and began training in the military. Although he greatly enjoyed his time there, he quickly began to suffer from unpredictable fainting spells, likened to epilepsy, and as such, he left the army and began working for his father in a cigar factory. Uh, It was during this time that Fritz's first known sexual offences began. He would lure young boys to secluded areas and then sexually abuse them. Mm. This led to his first arrest in July 1896, which led to his eventual incarceration in a mental institution in Hildesheim. (laughs) I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Good effort. Following Following a psychologist's diagnosis that he was incredibly deranged incredibly deranged now that that is a yeah, great incredibly label. deranged that's a direct quote <laughs> fritz managed to escape this mental institution several months later some say with the help of his mother he spent the following two years in switzerland staying with a relative of his mother's uh, before eventually returning to hanover in 1900 he became engaged to a woman named erna lowert This union was apparently encouraged by Fritz's family, who hoped that this was a sign that he was starting a quote-unquote normal life. It was around this time that Fritz was called away for his compulsory military service. His superiors considered him an excellent soldier, and he became known for his skills as a marksman. He reportedly described his military service as the happiest period of his life. However, once again, his health became an issue, as he was hospitalized a year later, Um, due to experiencing extreme dizziness during military exercises. Because of this, he was discharged and given a monthly pension of 21 gold marks, which I figured out is roughly the equivalent to $133 in today's money. Mm, That's... Okay. So not I mean, no, it's not really enough to, like, live a nice life on. (laughs) But then everything costs different things back then as well. Isn't it interesting how... Um, he also has this military thing, which is just seems yes. to come up. And we also discussed in the very first episode where we had Dennis Nilsson, who described yeah. his army years as the happiest years of his life. I find it kind of, I don't know, it's just weird that I chose this case kind of at random. Mm. But there are a lot of similarities with Dennis Nilsson. That's interesting. He returned to his fiancée, Erna, in Hanover and attempted to make a living working for his father, However, this resulted in a fight, and his father unsuccessfully attempted to have Fritz committed to a mental institution again. So not a great relationship no. between father I'm and son. I'm surprised that he wasn't able to get him committed, though, because being that he had this record of incredible derangement. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing. He has, as we'll see, he has a background. Yeah. And despite this, it takes a long time for people to catch on to the fact that he might be killing people. Mm. Fritz 
tried to launch his career in numerous professions before finally being declared officially disabled and therefore unable to work. And I think they increased his pension as well a little bit. His fiancée left him. Uh, at the time, she was pregnant. Okay. She just simply, after a fight, kicked him out and kept the business that they had started together. Do we know if she had the baby? We, I don't know anything more about her. Because that's really interesting. If, if she just had this baby and it went on, you know, like that's this killer's... Yeah. His line is continuing somewhere, isn't it? Yeah. I really wanted to find out if there was, like, descendants, but mm. I didn't find anything. Over the next decade, Fritz began a life of petty crime, primarily as a burglar and con artist. Consequently, between 1905 and 1913, he served multiple short prison sentences. In 1913, he was arrested for burglary and subsequently charged with fraud as well, for which he was sentenced to five years in prison. It's important to note that due to his incarceration, Fritz had missed out on what day-to-day -day life was like during the First World War, and was immediately struck by the depressing, poverty-stricken state of his country. Fritz saw this as an opportunity, uh, however, and launched himself into the contraband business, trading primarily in stolen property. I think the historical context is important here. Following the Treaty of Versailles, um, Germany's resources were extremely limited. They no longer had an army and were forbidden to trade arms. So it goes without saying that the police force was also affected by this, and as a result were desperate for any help they could get from the public. Mm. And that was how Fritz Harman, a known criminal and homosexual, which was illegal at the time, became a police informant in what I would describe as a very smart move on his behalf. Yeah. Using his role as an informer to draw suspicion away from himself, Fritz became one of the police's most reliable and trustworthy informers. The way things would usually go would be that Fritz, working with the police, would use his criminal contacts to offer to store stolen items in his flat. The police would then raid his property and arrest him along with the other criminals so as not to blow his cover. The police even trusted Fritz to the point where he was allowed to patrol the Hanover train station freely, and this would be the location where he would encounter a large amount of his victims. This is the thing that I remember about this, the train station thing, where he's like, he's sort of free to roam these sort of places, and that's why yeah. he gets, yeah. Yeah, he even pretends to be an officer, so he sort of uses power to manipulate people. Hmm. On the 25th of September 1918, 17-year-old... Friedel Roth, not sure if that's the German pronunciation. Friedel Roth, that's uh, quite a cool name. Friedel Roth. Oh. So Friedel Roth disappeared. He had been seen with Harman, whose flat was subsequently raided by the police. They discovered Harman in bed with a 13-year-old boy. God. And it's important to note that this is not Friedel Roth. Mm. So this resulted in Fritz being charged with sexual assault and battery for which he was sentenced to nine months in prison. Years later, Fritz would confess to the murder of Friedel Roth, stating that the boy's head had been wrapped in newspaper and hidden behind the stove at the time the police raided his home. Wow. And they didn't find it. <laughs> well, I mean, you weren't looking for it, were you? I guess it's quite... It's a shocking scene shocking. to come into. You're yeah. not thinking, let's look for some heads. You know? <laughs> yeah, behind the stove. Mm. And it's much like uh, Dennis Nelson, where... Um, he sort of says, you know, people would come, like he had a friend that can visit him or whatever. And like, there would be a dude in the wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. Like if someone opened that wardrobe, it's over. But they just didn't. Here I'd like to talk about a man called Hans Granz. <laughs> Great name. Yes. <laughs> Very German. Who is a central figure in Fritz's life. Mm. So 
Fritz avoided serving his time in prison throughout 1919, and it was during this time that he met 18-year-old Hans Granz. Hans was a runaway who had been spending a lot of time around Hanover Station. Desperate, Hans approached Fritz with the intention of prostituting himself. Fritz was drawn to the boy, and thus began the troubled relationship between the two. Shortly after they met, Hans moved in with Fritz, sealing his fate as his accomplice. Mm. I find it interesting that... During his confession, Hans stated that he wasn't gay, but he was aware of Fritz's feelings for him, which he used to manipulate and, on occasion, humiliate the other man. Such a bizarre relationship, isn't it? Because it's like, you think the power is in Fritz's hands. And in some ways it is, and in some ways it's not. Yeah, this is the thing. It's interesting to see that actually Hans had a lot of power in this relationship, Mm. because even though they would fight a lot due to... Hans humiliating Fritz. So Fritz would evict him, and then he would go and find Hans and beg him to come back. So it sort of shows the hold he has over him. So Fritz eventually served his nine months uh, in prison, and afterwards was amazingly able to get his old job as a police informer back. (laughs) Come on back, there's no problem with this. And shortly shortly afterwards, he and Hans moved into a lovely old house that sat along the river Leine, on 8 Neustrasse on the 1st of July, 1921. Romantic. Yeah, lovely. Setting the scene here. Domestic bliss. This would be the location where many of the murders committed by Fritz took place. Not domestic bliss. No. <laughs> well, depends on people's definition, I guess. Not my definition. I don't believe you. Before we get into the details of the murders, do you have any thoughts I mean, I guess you've heard about this case, but do you know why he was called a vampire or a butcher? I I have an inkling. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that it was quite mythologized. If I'm Yeah. If I'm thinking of it correctly, I think that there was quite a lot of um sensationalizing later. But I do know that the method, that the way that some of them were said to be killed was quite animalistic. Yeah. From his confession, um, Fritz explained that he would strangle his victims while simultaneously giving them what he called his love bite. Um, And this involved Mm. biting the victims' throats um, and on numerous occasions even biting through the Adam's apple and trachea. Yeah, I think it's the Adam's apple thing that I remember specifically, like, hardcore. I mean, the force required... Yeah, the force required with that bite to get through... In order to dispose of his victims, Fritz would dismember them and would usually discard their remains in the conveniently located Liner River. So this is a quote uh, from Fritz. I'd make two cuts in the abdomen and put the intestines in a bucket, then soak up the blood and crush the bones until the shoulders broke. Now I could get the heart, lungs and kidneys and chop them up and put them in my bucket. I'd take the flesh off the bones and put it in my wax cloth bag. It would take me five or six trips to take everything and throw it down the toilet or into the river. I always hated doing this, but I couldn't help it. My passion was so much stronger than the horror of the cutting and chopping. It's still so similar to Nelson yeah. as well. Like, the horror, like, oh, I didn't really want to do it, but now I have to get rid of them. Yeah. But also, even the detail of the toilet, which I remember from Dennis Nelson, because I was just like, that sounds mm, like yeah, the toilet. a mad way yeah. to get rid of. I didn't even know they had, seems seems really like ignorant, but I didn't even know they had toilet, like flushing toilet back then. <laughs> yeah, surely the plumbing wasn't as good as it is today. And yet, 
he was somehow able to cram human remains down there. No, I mean, if if Nilsson's like London plumbing could handle, could not handle mm. that, and that was how he was caught, it's pretty surprising that this like nineteenth century plumbing can handle. Oh well, twentieth now, right? Yeah, but I guess the house was probably nineteenth century. I don't know. Mm. During his confession, Fritz also explained that he would sever the heads from the rest of the body, remove the skin, and smash the skull in order to remove the brain. Great. And I think this just speaks to the incredible violence of these murders. Fritz was known to sell, amongst other things, meat on the black market. And once his crimes came to light, rumours went wild. Fritz had never specifically told any of his customers where the meat had come from, usually mentioning a butcher he supposedly knew. Although unconfirmed, many people believe that another way of disposing of his victims was to sell them as mints. There was apparently even a nursery rhyme written about him. Uh, Just you wait till it's your time, Harmon will come after you. With his chopper oh so fine, he'll make mince meat out of you. Yeah, it's it's another like sort of legend making out of this person. Using his position as a police informer to his advantage, Fritz would often take advantage of young men and boys in vulnerable situations that he found at Hanover Station. The majority of them were runaways or even male prostitutes, which again, I think, is another link with Dennis Nilsson. Yeah, the convenient aspect of, you know, choosing someone who is not going to be missed. Yeah. So there are quite a lot of victims... And I'll go into some details with a few of them, and otherwise I'll just mention the victim's name and age. Fritz's next known murder was that of 17-year-old Fritz Franke on the 12th of February, 1923. Harmon invited the youth back to his flat, where they spent the evening with Hans and two acquaintances. When Hans and the guests left, Harmon murdered Fritz Franke. Harmon stated that following the murder, Hans unexpectedly returned to the flat and discovered the nude, dead body of the boy in bed. Rather than reacting like any normal person would in that situation, he reportedly stared blankly at Harmon before asking, when shall I come back again? I don't even know, like, that's that's definitely something. <laughs> yeah. But I just find it mad that this is just, like, a seemingly normal person. I mean, I don't know much about his mm. background. I mean, he can't have been, he can't have come from that normal of a background. Being where he is, you know, having met Fritz and the circumstances that they met, you don't just end up in that sort of situation. Yeah. Five weeks later, on the 20th of March, Fritz would murder 17-year-old Wilhelm Schultz. Wilhelm had been commuting to work, and although no human remains were found, many uh, items of clothing thought to belong to him were discovered in the possession of Fritz's landlady. Mm. This brings me to a uh, an important point in the investigation and the discovery of Fritz's crimes. It was that he would often take his victims' possessions and clothes in order to sell them on the black market. Or sometimes Hans would even ask him to specifically kill someone because he wanted something of theirs. That's odd. Yeah. <laughs> This would eventually lead to his downfall, as the parents of one of the victims were able to identify their missing son's coat on another person, who told them they had purchased it from Fritz Harmon. This led to a raid of his flat, where officers found overwhelming evidence of the murders and arrested Fritz. Two more boys were murdered at 8 Neustrasse. Roland Hutch? Huch? Not sure. Uh, who was 16, and Hans Sonnenfeld, who was 19. Fritz and Hans moved to two Rotterreihe, 
on the 9th of June 1923, where the rest of the murders would occur. Two weeks after his move, Ernst Ehrenberg, the 13-year-old son of his neighbour, disappeared, and his clothing would later be discovered in mm. Fritz's flat, adding him to the list of murder victims. Not a great idea to kill someone no. so physically close to you and connected to you so strongly. Yeah. It's also staggering the rate at which he's killing these boys, because I read somewhere that it's on average two a month from this point onwards. It is quite a lot. So for most of these victims, um, belongings of theirs were found in the flat, which allowed police to identify them. The following victims were Heinrich Struess, 18, Paul Bronischewski, 17, Richard Graf, 17. Richard actually wrote to his family saying that he had met a man at Hanover Station who would find him a job. So this will just sort of proves Fritz's manipulation of these young, vulnerable people. It's sad. The next victim was Wilhelm Erdner, 16. His parents would later state that Wilhelm was acquainted with a detective Fritz Honnebrock, obviously a fake name and position used by Fritz. I'm sort of, I'm not very sure when Hans became involved in the murders, but he was certainly involved in the sale of Wilhelm's bike with Fritz. Mm. The following victims were Hermann Wolf, aged 15, Heinz Brinkmann, 13. Adolf Hannapel, 17. These people are so young. Yeah. They get younger. What's interesting about Adolf is that several witnesses were able to describe Hans actually pointing the boy out to Fritz as the boy waited for his train. The three were then seen heading to a cafe, and Fritz himself would confirm that Hans had urged him to commit this murder. Hmm. The following victim, Adolf Henniers, was 19. During his trial, Fritz stated that he had indeed dismembered and disposed of Adolf. However, he firmly denied killing him. He recounted the tale of returning home to find Adolf's body naked in his bed without Fritz's love bite. Furthermore, according to Fritz, Hans and another male acquaintance were in bed with the body. Hans, of course, denied all of this. And due to their conflicting testimonies, neither Fritz nor Hans were ever charged with this murder. I remember that sort of there's what that one victim where there's where he sort of claims this was Hans as one alone yeah. and and I believe him I don't know why but the thing is in the way he's we'll get into this later but the way he acts during the trial there's just no reason to sort of make for him to yeah. lie about that specific one it's like he could just say you know considering all the other things he's mm. up for so I just, I, I believe that, that Hans was just, it was just Hans having a go yeah. in, you know. That said, there are reasons to doubt Fritz's testimony that we'll get into. But um, it's true that he, he would just sort of agree, the police would show him pictures or ask him about a certain victim. And even though he didn't specifically remember killing him, he would just be like, yeah, sure. Let's say that I killed him. Mm. So obviously, the fact that he's willing. It just seems yeah, odd. It's sort of odd. Yeah. The next victims were Ernst Spiker, 17. Fritz wasn't actually sure that he had murdered this boy. He just said that he had to assume he had. But I think one overwhelming piece of evidence is that Hans was wearing Ernst's shirt when he was arrested. So <laughs> you can't say Ernst. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it's really difficult. The next victims were Heinrich Koch, 20. Willy Singer, 19. Hermann Spiker, 16. 
Herman Bock 22. Apparently, despite the fact that Fritz had known Herman prior to his disappearance and was wearing his suit when arrested, had sold his suitcase to his landlady and had told Herman's friends not to report his disappearance, Fritz was acquitted of his murder at trial. I don't know how or why. Especially since, like, what what is getting him convicted of the other ones that isn't getting him convicted of this one? Because it's not like they've got DNA or anything like that. So surely the same sort of hearsay, if you if you like, is convicting him of the other ones or sort of circumstantial yeah. evidence, which is all they've got. The next few victims were Alfred Hogreff, Hogreff, 16, Wilhelm Appel, Robert Witzel, 18. Uh, Robert's parents would state that their son and an official from the station had gone to the circus together and Fritz confirmed killing Robert the same night. Hmm. So it's also weird that he's sort of going out and about in public with these boys. And letting them have a sort of last known location. I don't know if he's just becoming clumsy. Heinz Martin, 14. Fritz Wittig, 17. Harmon again insisted that Hans had encouraged him to murder young Fritz as he wanted the boy's suit. Mm. And the last three victims were Friedrich Ebeling, 10. The youngest victim. Ten. Jesus Christ. And he was actually murdered on the same day as Fritz Wittig, the previous victim. God's sake. Ten? Yeah. No, it's horrible. The next victim was Friedrich Koch, 16. And the final victim, Eric de Vries. Not sure if that's how you pronounce his name. I'm sorry if it's not. Who was 17. And his body was found in a lake near the Herrenhausen Gardens. Fritz stated that it took him four trips to dispose entirely of Eric's remains. On the 17th of May 1924, two children discovered a human skull while playing near the Liner River. Police determined the skull to be that of a young male, though were initially unsure whether he had been murdered. They considered the possibility of grave robbers or a prank pulled by medical students. That would ruin your childhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two weeks later, another skull was found, as well as a sack of human bones. Several more skulls were found, some belonging to boys as young as 10 or 11, and these bore clear signs of decapitation and scalping. Christ. Like, I don't know if it's the police finding these skulls or just random citizens. It's pretty um, wishful thinking to say, I hope they're all getting therapy. (laughs) Yeah, I think at this time. Back in the 20s or 30s. Post-war as well. It's important to note that unfortunately, at the time, it was common for young boys to go missing. In a single year, the number of missing teenagers could be in the hundreds. So the discovery of these remains confirmed many residents' worst fears. Why do you think... Why was that? Is there a specific reason? I mean, I guess the country in general is going through a rough time. Um, Hmm. Maybe some kids would just sort of try and go and start their lives somewhere else. On the 8th of June, Hanover residents came out in their hundreds to search the banks of the Liner River, discovering even more human bones. At this point, the police finally decided to drag a section of the river and discovered over 500 human bones, estimated to belong to 22 individuals. 500? That's quite a lot. Many of these bones showed evidence of knife marks, presumably the result of the flesh being removed. 
I don't know why I said removed in that way. Removed. <laughs> renewed. <laughs> the, the French jumped out. <laughs> Once the remains were discovered, it didn't take long for suspicion to land on Fritz. On top of the fact that he was gay, again, a crime at the time, Fritz also had several charges of child molestation, sexual assault and battery against him. Fritz was also connected to the disappearances of Friedel Roth and Hermann Koch. As such, police immediately viewed him as a suspect and began closely watching him. As Fritz was obviously familiar with the police officers from Hanover, their plan was to have two young-looking policemen from Berlin come in undercover at the station. This operation began on the 18th of June 1924, and a mere four days later, on the 22nd of June, the two officers saw Fritz arguing with Karl Fromm, a 15-year-old boy, at Hanover Station. Fritz's anger at the youth obviously clouded his judgment as he, he actually went to report Carl to the police for travelling with forged documents. This backfired spectacularly as Carl then told the police mm. that he had been living with Fritz for several days and had been raped on several occasions, often with a knife to his throat. God. So this gave the police uh, the opportunity to arrest Fritz the following day. The police then searched Fritz's flat and questioned his neighbours. The flat was described as being extensively bloodstained, with blood found on the walls, floors, and bed. Which, I don't know how you can live like that. I was just about to say, that, I was just about to say, how are you living like this? <laughs> Incredible. Fritz's explanation for this, which I find quite funny, was his involvement in the illegal meat trade. So he basically was like, no, 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 I sell meat. I'm just really bad at like cutting it up. I'm a bit clumsy. Oh my god. However, surprisingly, uh, the police found this to be a little unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for a second you were going to say, and they left. <laughs> well, sounds good to me. Um, evidence started to pile against Fritz as his neighbours spoke of the vast quantity of teenage boys seen entering the flat. Fritz leaving his flat in the early hours of the morning or late at night with large sacks. And two people even mentioned seeing Fritz dump a sack into the river. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't report this, but maybe... Only when you're framed, when you're given context, yeah. um, that can help. But I, I found that there's a lot of cases like that where someone sees something and you think, why wouldn't you say anything? And it's like, actually, if you didn't have any of the frame of reference yeah. to ever consider that a murder was happening, then you wouldn't you wouldn't report yeah. it because you would just think there's got to be a logical reason for this. It's true that if I saw someone dumping a sack in a river, I'd be like, yeah, that's kind of weird. But I wouldn't be like, that guy is getting rid of a body. The police found the possessions of several boys and decided to display them at the police station in the hopes that family members might identify them. Although an alarming amount of people came forward claiming items belonged to their sons or brothers, Fritz insisted they were only in his possession due to them staying the night at his following a sexual fling. And I think, again, we discussed this uh, in the case of Dennis Nilsson, but the sort of taboo nature of uh, gay relationships sort of maybe distracted people. However, Robert Witzel, the young man who had gone to the circus with Fritz, would prove to be his downfall. Not only were his clothes, boots, and keys found at the flat, a skull discovered in a garden was identified as his. How? By his, I, I think his mother was able to say that it was his because he had a crooked jaw. A friend of Robert's then confirmed that Fritz had spent time with him prior to his disappearance, and Robert's jacket was discovered in the possession of Fritz's landlady. 
As the evidence became more and more damning, Fritz cracked under the pressure, leading to a breakdown. Having supported him through this ordeal, one of his sisters urged Fritz to confess to his crimes, which he eventually did. Fritz Harmon confessed to the rape, murder, and dismemberment of several young men between 1918 and 1924, though remained unsure of the number throughout his trial. He initially stated that he had killed between 50 and 70 men. Jesus. But he was only ever charged with 27 murders. Is the, when he says, when you say mm. men, is that, is that from his quote? No, I think, I'm not sure. I think they asked, how many people have you killed? And he was like, between 50 and 70. Because most of them seem to be boys. Yeah, it would be interesting to know if he sort of viewed them as adults or children. And if the police did yeah. as well, like based off of their sort of, like the lifestyle they were living. Yeah. Well, I guess the when he was caught with the 13-year-old boy, he was sentenced to prison for that. So, But was he sentenced to prison because all gay relationships mm. were considered sodomy, uh, an attack? That's true. Or because it was an attack on a child? Uh, yeah. I don't know. So the reason he wasn't charged with more is because they couldn't find evidence. As Fritz claimed that several murders had been committed at the insistence of Hans, the latter was arrested on the 8th of July as an accessory to murder. The trial of Fritz Harmon and Hans Granz began on the 4th of December 1924. Fritz was charged with the murder of 27 men. He insisted on defending himself and readily confessed to murdering 14 young men, though seemed uncertain concerning the remaining 13. Hans denied any involvement. Throughout the trial, Fritz remained rather calm and composed, maintaining a blasé attitude. For instance, when he was asked to identify youths from photographs, he would say he couldn't recognise them, but simply comment, charge it to me, or I probably murdered him. <laughs> At one point, he even said to the jury, keep it short, I want to spend Christmas in heaven with mother. Hmm. Fritz denied any claims of cannibalism or selling human flesh, which were actually backed up by an analysis of meat found in his flat, which was proven to be of animal origin, although many witnesses had stories that seemed to indicate the contrary. Neighbours claimed to have fallen sick, having eaten sausages purchased from Fritz, and two women... I find this unbelievable. Two women claimed to have found what appeared to be a human mouth boiling in his flat. M mouth? The... Not specifically, <laughs> just that. That's <laughs> the odd. two women stated that they had taken the supposed mouth to the police, who had dismissed it, stating that it was most likely a pig snout. This whole story is bizarre. I don't think that having found some meat in his flat and then that turned out to be animal, I don't think that means that he never no. sold human flesh. I don't think that's enough. It's not conclusive. It's just lucky. I also... <laughs> find this an interesting point in the question of the police's knowledge or involvement of like what he was up to hmm. i think they're just sort of overwhelmed and careless yeah which leads me to my next point that during the trial the attention turned to the hanover police department and their involvement in fritz's crimes they claimed to have been totally unaware until Carl Fromm's accusations of sexual assault, despite many testimonies that linked Fritz to victims and missing persons, as well as his many prior convictions, which included sexual assault and battery. The case and its trial became one of the first major sensational media events in Germany. It lasted two weeks and included the testimony of 190 witnesses. So as you were saying, it was heavily covered and sort of sensationalized. And at the time... Mm. Serial killer wasn't a term that people used. 
So they would use terms no, like vampire yeah. or wolfman to sort of describe the horrific nature of these murders. Yeah, and to like kind of almost to to make a fairy tale of something is to kind of avoid having to access the reality that a person did this. It's interesting, the context again, that they've been through the horrors of the First World War and are maybe starting mm. to realise that human beings are capable of terrible things. On the 19th of December, Fritz was found guilty of 24 murders, acquitted of three, and sentenced to death by beheading. Hans was found guilty of incitement to murder and also sentenced to death by beheading. However, a letter written by Fritz to Hans's father, that was discovered later, stated that Hans was essentially innocent and that Fritz had been trying to sort of frame him as a revenge for the way Hans had treated him during their relationship. This led to a retrial. Hans received an imprisonment of 12 years for aiding and abetting Fritz and then spent some time in a concentration camp. After the Second World War... Okay, that's totally normal. After, after the Second World War, <laughs> he spent the rest of his life in Hanover until he died in 1975. Fritz accepted his death sentence readily, stating, Condemn me to death. I ask only for justice. I am not mad. Make it short, make it soon. Deliver me from this life, which is a torment. I will not petition for mercy, nor will I appeal. I want to pass just one more merry night in my cell with coffee, cheese, and cigars after which I will curse my father and go to my execution as if it were a wedding. That's an interesting series of things yeah. to say. <laughs> I would also like to eat cheese just before I die and coffee. But the, the craziest thing is that he did get his coffee and cigars. Well, they really believed quite strongly in those, in those things sort of back then, didn't they? Like, no matter what, you were entitled to, like, your one thing. Yeah, I'd just like to talk briefly about the question of his feelings of guilt or, and or agency. Um, there are a few quotes here. He stated, I never intended to hurt those youngsters, but I knew that if I got going, something would happen and that made me cry. And when dismembering the bodies, he would often place a cloth over the face so that they weren't looking at him because he couldn't face the guilt. Mm. He calls them youngsters mm. there as well. So he's aware that they're vulnerable not quite yeah. grown yeah and during his trial he is said to have explained that the reason he killed remained a mystery to him at the time in germany it was common to not tell criminals the date of their execution until the evening before when he received the news fritz prayed with his pastor before enjoying a cigar and the most expensive brazilian coffee available yeah nice he was executed on the morning of the 15th of april 1925 Following his execution, parts of his brain were analysed, revealing traces of meningitis. I don't know hmm. if that has any relevance to the crimes he committed. Probably not, but... No, but it's interesting in that it could have played some kind hmm. of role. His head was then preserved in formaldehyde at the Gottingen Medical School until 2014. And there are pictures of this head that we'll put on the YouTube version. What, like the whole thing? Yeah. And I don't know why you would keep his head. I guess the logical thought is something about this must be different. Yeah, that's true. It, it's the same line of thinking as, as the making of it into a kind of fairy tale. Mm. It's scary to think that it's just a normal person mm. 
doing this. I mean, you know, it's obviously not a normal person, but that it's just a guy rather than a werewolf or something. So, like, the head is like, oh, well, something must be wrong with this. I also wonder if they had the sort of thought that maybe in the future they would be able to sort of find something that proved that he wasn't normal. Right. Yeah, and they kept it until five years ago. What did they do with it five years ago? They, I think they burned it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know why you would That's you abrupt. would keep it that long and then... And yeah. then just decide not to have it. Someone just had enough. We've advanced far enough now. There's nothing we can do with it. We should yeah. just get rid of it. Weird. The remains of Fritz's victims were placed in a communal grave with a memorial listing their names. The case of Fritz Harmon led to discussions uh, around several issues, such as the way police investigations were conducted, the treatment of mentally ill criminals, the death penalty, and most, most importantly, (laughs) (laughs) most importantly, (laughs) I don't know what happened there. I was like briefly possessed by a northerner. (laughs) (laughs) And hang on, I need to calm down. Most importantly, homosexuality. Needless to say, Fritz hadn't exactly helped the gay rights cause, and the discovery of the murders apparently led to a wave of widespread homophobia throughout Germany, as it, in many people's minds, tied homosexuality irrevocably to sexual violence and murder. So Fritz is one of Germany's most infamous serial killers, and has been the inspiration for several films. M in 1931, The Tenderness of Wolves, 1973, and The Deathmaker, 1995, as well as a few TV characters. There was a biographical graphic novel written about his life and crimes called Harmon by Pierre Misa and Isabel Kreitz. I haven't read it, but the art looks really interesting. So so that's the case of Fritz Harmon, the vampire of Hanover. Well, that was, that was really interesting. That was something. <laughs> I might let you do this job. A bit more often. Well, <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed that Halloween special. Um, we're going to take a bit of a break after this. I'm going to be releasing um, a blooper reel as well, though, uh, in a couple of weeks during the break, um, which I think will be fun. Uh, seems a little inappropriate in some ways, but I'm I'm bold enough to take that risk. <laughs> And um, and it's separate, obviously, from mm. these things. So, but don't forget that we are on social media at about murder on Twitter, Instagram at a podcast about murder, and facebook.com slash a podcast about murder with no e. Um, these will be in the description box. Uh, you can find updates on uh, everything on these as well as um, some interesting images and other information. If you would like to send us an email, the address is a podcast about murder at outlook.com. Some feedback, some suggestions on cases, um, corrections. Yeah. <laughs> feel free. I think um, it's always interesting. We've shown that we're very ignorant people. So it's likely that we've made some mistakes. <laughs> it's likely that we've made some mistakes, but also don't be that negative because we do put effort in. We're trying to people. making sure that we're typically correct. Yeah. But it is always interesting also to hear other people's perspective yeah, on things. Definitely. So uh, aside from actually being wrong, sometimes it's just interesting to hear uh, 
that someone else thinks something totally different mm. about the same set of information. Again, just a big thank you to everyone who has listened so far. Um, I, for one, didn't really expect um, anyone to listen to <laughs> besides you and me. <laughs> so, um, so I have been uh, flattered to see that there are more than you and I yeah. listening. There are people. There are actual people listening. Actual to people. This. So thank you, actual people, and don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're on subscribing and rating i don't want to be that one of those people um who begs for ratings but it's super helpful so if if you want to leave a bad rating um don't <laughs> go take go <laughs> Just, for a um, walk and think about that <laughs> go for a walk think about it um send me an email send me a hateful email instead um and then maybe we'll be able to sort the situation out between us bring up your rating <laughs> <laughs> and then you can leave the five stars that will be acceptable <laughs> to us um okay but bye, bye. happy halloween <laughs> happy halloween that's can't believe i forgot yeah. to say that that is the most important thing have a safe um happy and exciting and spooky halloween <laughs> cue music <laughs>